go to the book of Acts, we've done Acts 1, where we really talked about um, really Christ's resurrection and the, the, the disciples really establishing their apostleship and, and, and the Holy Spirit pouring out in Acts 2. Um, we then came into Acts 3 and 4, where we started to see persecution come on the church. What we're looking at now is a very interesting topic today. And, and, and you know, you can avoid a lot of things in church. Did you know that? You can avoid the tough stuff. You just, just don't talk about it. Yeah, just don't work through a book of the Bible. Don't, don't work through it. Just jump around all over the show, and then you can avoid the tough stuff, you know? Did you know that there's a, um, I don't know, if, am I going? Hold on. Just make sure I'm on. If I turn that on. There we go. I think I'm good now. Back in the 90s. Oh, no, no, go back. Go back. Is there another one there, No Fear? Yeah, chuck that up. There we go. Remember that logo? <laughs> no Fear. Remember that? That was back in the 1990s. There was this whole fight in the world around fear. But the way the, fe- the, way the world um, uh, tackles fear is they say, well, we're just not going to have any of it. We have no fear. And it's a bit of a challenge because the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says we overcome fear. We still have it, but we overcome. The world says, no, we, we have no fear. Well, I've actually found people that have no fear are sort of nuts. They're sort of crazy. You know, um, and this is the sort of thing people with no fear sort of do. Maybe Pop, go back and put that other one up and turn it up a bit. He's like on fire, look. <laughs> now, is that something that someone with, with no fear would do? You know what I'm saying? No fear? Um, yeah, yeah, do not do this at home. I should put that disclaimer in there if any of you got a bus and I think about jumping 15 motorbikes. Um, yeah. You know, um, now, now not all fear is bad, by the way. We need to have it because otherwise we'll do stuff like that or we'll do stuff like this. <laughs> no, it's actually not Photoshop. There's this rock that they go and hang off in Brazil and people hang off this rock. There's a, you think that's, there's this one here. Yeah, it's pretty crazy, isn't it? Only thing is, I should really let you in on the secret. Uh, that's the rock there. But there is actually another rock that people go and hang off, and they've actually died. You know? Yeah, that's right. You know, in the Bible, there is one thing that we need to wear. There is, there is one fear that eradicates all other fears in the Bible, and it is the fear of the Lord. Everyone say? The fear of the Lord. And it's an interesting thing. In the Bible, it says this, the fear of the Lord is the what? Is the, the beginning of wisdom or knowledge. It's the knowledge of the, holy, uh, of the holy is understanding. So when we look and approach God, we have to understand he is holy, and we have to understand the fear of the Lord. Now, the many in the church don't have an absolute understanding of the fear of the Lord. And so because they don't have an understanding of it, it's not applied, and there's a lot of problems that happen when we don't understand it properly. And I'll explain that as we go along, and you'll look in the world, and you'll nod your head to go, oh, my goodness, that's why they do it. You'll see what I mean as we get along. You see, for the unbeliever, someone who doesn't believe in God at all, they have a genuine fear of judgment, God and separation from God. That's what the gospel is about. Jesus Christ died on the cross for the sin of your life. Sin is just a word that simply means living amiss from God. God is here. That's the target. But we're living way over here. Or way over there, sin just simply means living amiss from who he is, his holiness. 
Now, believers, we're not to be scared of God. No, no, we have no reason to be because we've been forgiven. We have a promise that nothing can separate us from his love. We have a promise that he will never leave us nor forsake us. So I get an amen. So what is the fear of the Lord? Because we have one view of fear in society, and that is you be terrified. That is how we view fear. But the fear of the Lord is to stand in awe of him. Everyone say, in awe of him. To honor, to tremble. That's a weird word. We'll explain that after. To honor, to tremble, to fear, which is to esteem him, which is to respect and value him, to venerate, which means to worship and adore him more than anything else. To have the fear of the Lord in your life is that when we love God, we actually also love what he hates. Did you know that? Did you? Some people go, oh, no, God doesn't hate things. Are you nuts? Of course, of course he hates things. Do, do, do you think he's happy with murder? Do you think he's happy when, when, when marriage is split up with adultery? Do you, do you think he's happy when people just blatantly lie? And, and, do, do you think he's happy? That's, that's the stuff that lives amiss from him that he hates. You know, faulty fear in the Lord, this is faulty fear, and, and I've met Christians like this. I, I think at one point I was even like this myself, where you see a group of people over there or there and just shaking their head. You're just the religious, it was like the Pharisees in Jesus' day, just shaking their head, sitting, look at those sinners. Look at them over there. Just keep away from those sinners. No, Jesus sat with those that were living amiss with God. He sat with them. You're meant to get dirty with what they're dirty with. Faulty fear of the Lord is when you start to religiously put people in boxes and go, well, you're stuffed. <laughs> you're this, you're that, you're something else. I want to tell you something. Religion tells you what you've done, but the Spirit sits back to you and says, this is why you're doing it. Did you know that? You know, the religious finger goes, well, you're doing this and you're doing that. And you, oh my goodness, don't let me start with you. And then we got you over here. That's religion. But what happens in the Spirit is you get in relationship with people and he starts opening up why it's there. And you help one another journey through it. Amen? I want to tell you what God hates. He hates the sin that unmakes a person, that tears them apart. You know my story. Many years ago, I was into drugs as a teenager. I was a drug dealer. I was a messed up guy many years ago. It was like, it was a couple of weeks ago now, so I'm good now. But, um, no, I shouldn't joke about this stuff. And, um, and, 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 and you know what? Just to clarify that God loved the man, but he didn't love the stuff the man was doing. Amen? I know this is simple stuff, but we've got to talk about it today. Here's the deal with sin. The person who is afraid or scared of God generally has something to hide. What did Adam do? The first thing he did in the garden, when he ate from the knowledge of the, the, the tree of uh, the, from the tree of knowledge, the first thing he did was he hid. He hid himself. God, who would walk with Adam every day, he basically had to walk into the garden and go, where are you, Adam? He knew darn well where he was, but he was calling to his soul. He was calling to the spirit. Where are you? And sometimes I think in our lives, God calls to you. And he says, where are you, Alistair? Where are you? Where are you, John? Where are you? Where are you, Lynn? Where are you? Because sometimes we get lost in the knowledge stuff. Charles Spurgeon said, the fear of the, fear of the Lord 
is death over every other fear. Like a mighty lion, it chases all the other fears before it. I want to tell you, the person who fears, that is, has reverent awe and worships and adores God, has nothing to hide. In fact, a believer who has the fear of the Lord is actually terrified from being away from God. If you're not terrified from being away from God, like you're just thinking, oh my goodness. As I was saying this morning, sometimes we need to look back at our worship again and just think, how are we going in our worship place with him? How is that happening? Because if, if you're not concerned about being away from God, then there's something disconnected. All right, God can connect it again. Proverbs 16, 6 says, By the fear of the Lord one departs from evil. It doesn't come by your choice. You think it's a choice, but it's actually the fear of the Lord, the fact that you honor him and you're reverently in awe of him, that you turn from evil. I'm married to Tanya. Tanya's married to me. No, we are. Yeah, no, no. Have to be reminded occasionally, it's been a while. You know, in a simple, simple way. You know, I could go out of town, go back to my drug lifestyle. I could go back to, I could go, hey, man, I could shack up over here with someone over there. Now, I don't think Tani would agree with that. So, in, in a manner of speaking, in our relationship, I have a fear of Tani. Now, I have a fear of the Lord. It's <laughs> stepping dangerously there. I have a fear of the Lord in our relationship. I want to honor my wife, and she wants to honor me. Amen? And this is, in a bigger sense with God, this is it. I, I, I don't live a religious life. Oh, no, well, I can't do that, and I can't do this. You'll end up walking a tightrope like this. Well, I can't, and I can't, and I can't. Well, eventually you can't do faith either. That's what happens in tightrope thinking. So now I live in a playground, and I can play on many different things. I don't always have to be right, but I don't want sin in my life because I want to honor God, and that is the fear of the Lord is honoring Him. Amen? You know, we are living in challenging times. Would you agree that they are challenging? You know, there's a bit of, let me have a drink of water. It's holy water, so more anointing. Um, hey, so um, there's so much instability, uncertainty. Mortgage rates doubled where they were a year ago. You know, petrol prices, I was in Australia a few months back, or a couple of months back, and their petrol is like a dollar cheaper, man. Man, should we start a conversation about that? Food is, is very highly priced here. There's even job insecurity, and we can dwell on that. But you see, this is interesting. It says here in Isaiah 33, 6, that there shall be stability. Say stability. In your times, right now, the fear of the Lord is your treasure. The, and it is his treasure. You share this treasure. And if you've got instability in your thinking, in your life, there's a possibility that there may be a lack of the fear of the Lord in an aspect of your life. Because the Bible says that there shall be stability in your times. It doesn't mean we do shame and guilt on any of this stuff. No way. It just means, God, I need, to, I need to get some of the spirit of the Lord into my life. When was the last time you prayed it in? What do you treasure? Because what you treasure, you protect. What you uh, treasure, you, you go to it for a resource. You go to that treasure for a resource. And I want to tell you that if you have treasure, other people are impressed by it. You know, if I see a Lamborghini going by, I'm going, woo-wee. And if you have the fear of the Lord, which is genuinely walking your faith, 
turning your back on sin, just going, I'm just not interested in murdering people. I'm not interested in tearing people down. I'm not interested in wanting to have an adulterous relationship. I'm not interested in turning your back on sin, walking in awe of God. People will actually be impressed by your faith. Did you know that? No, I'm dead serious. Turn off the media narrative. It's just, it's just foolishness. I, I live it. I work in a job every day. People respect faith. They respect They might not agree with it, but they respect it as long as you are living it. If you're not living it, then they'll just shake their head and go, here's another one. Here's another one. You know? And here's, here's the powerful deal about getting the fear of the Lord in your life. You know, uh, and I, I say this, I'm going to come back to this in a second. You know, I, I determine in my life that I do everything I can not to gossip. I work in the manufacturing sector. I'm an operations manager in the manufacturing sector. That means I deal with a lot of gossip. But I determine that if the conversation I'm about to have with you about someone else or something, I think if it's not benefiting you, it's not benefiting them, and it's not benefiting me, then it's likely gossip. And I remove that from my language. Because there is an interesting principle that I have found, and it's written on the board there. It says, when people's lives please God, everyone say, please God. Even their enemies are at peace with them. Did you hear that? How do you get this? The fear of the Lord. Because I honor him, I'm in awe of him, I do not want to dishonor him, just like I don't want to dishonor my wife. And when I don't dishonor my wife, there's chances are that she's going to be pleased with me. And when she's pleased with me, Maybe the little things that might cause ruckus in our life are going to be more at peace. God will make peace with those. Sorry, I'm using so many examples of marriage today. I'm, we're, we're good. You know, we're good. Here's an interesting thing. Did you know the Salvation Army is fully Christian, right? You know that? Fully Christian. They have fully Christian values. They don't compromise them as far as I'm aware. They have fully Christian values, but they're the only Christian organization that you'll actually see logoed behind the prime minister when they speak. Did you know that? If you go into Countdown in Stoke, you'll see a Salvation Army logo slapped on the side of one of the billboards inside the store. Fully Christian organization. Why? Well, we've got a man here who works the Salvation Army here. Look at this guy over here. Paul Burke. Because when... You live in a way that pleases God. He even makes your enemies at peace with you. Are you getting this? Habitat for Humanity. You know Habitat for Humanity? Fully Christian organization. They have just now aligned with AMI Insurance. Did you know that? You ring up AMI Insurance. They've just partnered with them in this last couple of months. They're putting people into homes. Fully Christian organization. Because when you do what pleases the Lord, he even makes your enemies at peace with you. That's really happening right now. That scripture is being lived. You wonder why you've got enemies? I would ask you to check your fear of the Lord. Are you honoring God in your life? Or are, do, do, you know, sometimes, I think we need to say this. Sometimes I just get tired of seeing Christians who live life one way here and another way on Sunday morning. I know we make mistakes. I know we get it wrong. I do too. But you see, when we take on the fear of the Lord and understand that and seek to learn about it, so do we start to find that life actually becomes easier, not harder. Because walking two lives is real tough. One life for the world, one life for church, you'll end up being torn 
in the middle. I can't do the splits. I'm a bit supple. You know, it says here, you know what um, constructive atheism is? Constructive atheism, when you say, see, I'm a Christian, but I do everything you do. You know, as an operations manager for, uh, I was operations manager for one of the largest companies in Nelson here. Um, I determined I just didn't want to swear. I'm not interested in swearing. But every time you have a meeting, the F-bomb is being dropped. The, all the bombs are being dropped. And I didn't. But if I dropped them, I could be really cool. But I said, I want to fear the Lord. I want to honor him. So I just didn't. And I actually found, and I did not require it of anybody. I didn't walk into the room and shake my head. I just carried on doing what I did. I actually found after about six to eight months, there was no swearing in the meetings. Very little. People, I, didn't, I didn't ask it. It was no religious requirement. You can swear all you want. It's not, I'm not, you know. But it's just because when your life pleases the Lord, he even makes your enemies at peace with you. Is this making sense? I hope you're getting something out of this today. You know, I worked with a business manager um, in another town. I'm not going to say where. I don't want to divulge him. He was a Christian man. But he had nearly half a million dollars in debt to a person, and he refused to pay it back. And I was just, I just, I just went, I, just said, I went to him and said, bro, why aren't you paying this debt? I said, you're paying it over here, but not, he just didn't want to do it. He was a Christian man. In other words, no fear of the Lord. No fear of the Lord. And what do you think the tension was between him and that other person? It was terrible. And, I, and you, you might look at Christians out there and go, oh my goodness, you shake your head at this one, just why are they doing drugs and then doing church and then trying to proclaim this and that? And it's like, you know what? I know we have our challenges. I know that there are battles. I know that there are people struggling even with addictions in this room, but we love you. My point is this. When you seek the fear of the Lord and bring this into your life, these other things diminish. And you start to live in a way that honors the Lord and although people might not agree with what you agree with, they will respect what you believe. Absolutely. They will. You know, I was, in a, I was uh, uh, managing a company a number of years ago. I worked there for probably about 10 years and, um, with this guy, and then I resigned my role. I had to resign, move on to something else. And, and this guy wrote me this letter. I didn't even know that he even really thought anything of me. He never said much to me. I just thought he was just that guy over there, and I was this guy over here. He wrote me this massive, I've still got it written in my bag down there. You, you can see it afterwards, this beautiful email. He goes, you, you, I, I, he goes you, how do you do what you do? How do you do what you do? He says, you, and he had all these respectful terms. And I was like gobsmacked. I actually printed it out, went and saw him and said, bro, what's this? He says, I've just watched you all these years, Alistair. And he said, you know, you're just different to other people. He said, you know, you try and help, you, you encourage. He said, sure, you know, you still tell people off because people are naughty and they need telling off God just disciplines us. And he says, how do you do it? And I just came straight out. I said, faith in my faith. And faith in God. That's where the strength comes from. I was able to give it to him. And See, the fear of the Lord, when we practice it, we start to not become religious. Because if you replace the fear of the Lord with, I shouldn't do this, you will become religious. You'll become tired. You'll become fatigued. You'll become embattled. When you understand the fear of the Lord, you actually want to honor that relationship. I want to honor my relationship with my wife. It's not a battle. I don't have to fight not to have the affair. I, I want to honor. Does this make sense? Another key reason we must seek the fear of the Lord in our faith is this. The fear of the Lord, you have strength and strong confidence, and this will also affect your children. Did you know that? The Bible says. 
The fear of the Lord will give you strength and strong confidence. Walking in the fear of the Lord gifts these things into your life. Doesn't mean it'll change like that. But there's something about you being this pillar in the faith and outworking your journey that is witnessed even by your family. And here's the kicker that many of you don't realize. Because if I don't say this, you're going to think it's all about you again. Oh, another thing I've got to do. I better put the fear of the Lord on my to-do list this week. Fear of the Lord. Better start working on that. Well, maybe you do, but here's, did you know it's actually a spiritual impartation? Seven spirits of the Lord, Isaiah 11, 1 to 3. Let me read it out. It says, the shoot or the Messiah will bring to, uh, will spring from the stock of Jesse, which was David's father. This is Jesus. And a branch from his roots will bear fruit. And this is the fruit that will come. The spirit of the Lord will rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of strength, the spirit of knowledge, and the spirit, everyone say, of the fear of the Lord. It is a spiritual impartation. It is not another spirit. It's not like there's the Holy Spirit and then there's all these other little spirits over here doing their thing. No, it's all gifted from the Father, His nature, His purpose, His counsel, but it is available to you. When was the last time you knelt down and said, Father God, I ask for the spirit of fear to be upon me. Teach me. Teach me to walk in this. When was that last prayed? For many, it's never been prayed. And so we then are forced to live out of endurance and hard work. And it says this here, the last part, and the Messiah won't delight in the spirit of the Lord or the spirit of wisdom, and that's some good stuff, the spirit of understanding, but it says his delight will be in the fear of the Lord. I'm nearly finished. The Messiah will delight in that thing. That will be his delight. And then if it's his delight, then it needs to be my delight. And if it's not my delight, then where's my light coming from? Where is my delight coming from? It'll probably shift to entertainment. It'll probably shift to the things that can bring me a bit of peace, a break from things. But when I learn about the fear of the Lord, I start to understand the delight of wanting to honor my God. It is not hard work. It is hard work when I do not understand the fear of the Lord. It becomes a labor of love not a love that I just need to serve God. Maybe you could pop some music up there. Just turn it down a bit. Maybe that song. I don't know what that one's called. Terrible with names at the moment. The one about fear. No longer a slave to fear. Did you know that there are two aspects to the presence of God? Two aspects. There's the omnipresence of God. The omnipresence. And there's also the manifest presence. Now, the omnipresence is he's with you wherever you go. He's sort of like Google. You know what I'm saying? Like the internet, except he doesn't have any range issues, you know? No, you're standing there going, God, are you here? You know, <laughs> you know? he doesn't have any range issues. So there's the omnipresence of God. And if Google can be everywhere all at once, well, can't God be? More, Amen. But there's also the manifest presence. There's a man called John Bevere. Anyone know John Bevere? He had a um, event in um, Brazil in 1997. When he got to the event, 
There was no manifest presence of God. God wasn't manifesting in the room. There was omnipresence, meaning God is always there. You can pray and you can hear the voices in your spirit, your inner man and inner woman. But he said there's no manifest presence. He wanted people, he said the worship was going and people were texting and laughing and talking and rubbing. And it was just the strangest thing. He said he walked into the stadium of about 30,000 people and there was just no manifest presence of God. He's saying, what is going on here? And he prayed and the Lord said to him, there is no fear of the Lord in this place. No reverent awe of me. Tell me something. If I'm talking to you and I'm like this, hey, Kent, how you going, bro? How's, oh, yeah, you going through, oh, yeah, no, no, yeah, good. Mm. <laughs> you know, I'm like this. Are you going to want to talk to me if I'm texting every two minutes? No, of course you're not. Same deal. God is a person. He's not a thing. He's not a force. He's not the force to be with you. He is a person. Holy Spirit can be grieved. He can be quenched. Hmm? Just like you can be. You can be grieved and you can be shut down. And he was being shut down. And so John Bavere said, well, what am I going to do? And the Lord says, sort it out. Go tell them. So he wanders up on the stage, and he stands up on the stage, and he just says, the Lord just told me to tell you that there is no respect and no awe of him in this room. He said, there is no fear of the Lord in here. And the people just stopped. He said, you're texting on your phones. You're banging up against each other. He was just giving them a dad talk. And then they, um, people stopped, put them down. He said, let's get back to worship. Within five minutes of worshiping, he said, people started weeping over in that corner. He said he heard a screaming deliverance over that corner. Someone just screamed over there. Then after about 10 minutes, he said, people started weeping, kneeling up the front. He said, then something really incredible took place. He said something that's only happened to him about five times in his whole career as a minister who travels the world. He said what happened was a wind blew in the stadium, an incredible wind that was like a storm, and it shook the whole place. It shook it. He said it shook it like, a, like, a, like an earthquake. And he said it just blew and blew in that room. And he said in that time, spontaneous healing happened right across the room. He said people were throwing away crutches, getting up out of their wheelchairs. He said he'd never seen anything like it. He said he just fell down and just wept himself. He said he went out afterwards and um, he talked to the sound man, the sound engineer. The sound engineer said, just at that time I was doing my vocals. And he said, when that wind came in, he said, did you know that it did not shift one ounce on my decibel meter? Because it was a holy storm, not like a physical storm. Do you know what I'm saying? A physical storm would have gone like this. And um, he said he went home that night and worshipped till like one in the morning. He just couldn't get to sleep. You know, when Ananias and Sapphira did what they did, there are many theologians that go, well, Peter was acting impetuously again, and the power of life and death had now become a physical thing in his ministry, and he was releasing an Old Testament view. But another thing was that John Bevere said in that event, he said in that event, he said when that storm hit, when it came so hard, he said, I was so in awe of God, he said, I became terrified that I would be dead if I did the wrong thing. It's literally what he said. I wasn't afraid, but he said I had holy fear. And maybe that's what happened to Ananias and Sapphira. You can do your own study there. But do not think your God is timid. Do not judge your, your God by a weekly service. Philippians 2.12 says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Fear is the fear of the Lord, reverent awe of him. Trembling is what John Bevere felt at that stadium. He trembled in the goodness of God. 
But man, I don't think I can even preach on that. I'm going to be honest with you. Let me just stand this morning. Psalm 25, 14 says this, the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. Hmm? God says, I share my secrets with those who, guess what? Fear me. You're wondering why you're not getting any secrets from God? Then check your fear of the Lord. And I want to tell you, you don't share any secrets with anyone who's not a close friend. Would that be true? So you can also reinterpret that scripture to say friendship was the Lord is with those who fear him. I just think some people, maybe we don't want to be friends with God. To fear him is to honor him, to be in awe of him, to hold him in the highest of esteems, to make time for him, place for him. Today when there was no worship team here, it was the most perfect setup because we had no choice but to break away and get into him and be in awe of him. I'll just start that song again as we finish up. We're not going to do the whole thing, but Proverbs 14, 27 says, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. Did you hear that? The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to turn one from the snares or the traps of death. I want to tell you, Hebrews 29, 12, 29 said, our God is a consuming fire. Let's turn the lights down here. You know, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know if I've done much justice to preaching on the fear of the Lord today. I think with the fear of the Lord, you need to experience it. Someone could, if you've never experienced love before, you could be told about it, you could be taught about it, you could be given some demonstrations about it, but it's not until you actually stepped into a loving relationship that you can understand what love is. The hurt of love, lost love, challenged in love.